1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleMomics Radio. I am your co-host, Chris Ramuki, Donna Harrington, joined by the beast from the East Coast, the man himself, Mr. Brandon P. Howard Thurston, owner of The Cup. Brandon, how are you doing
2: today? I'm great. I'm back from my trip to uh, Kansas or Connecticut or wherever you were saying I, I, I was.
1: Maine. Maine. You went to Maine.
2: I was in Maine for Limitless Pro Wrestling this Limitless Wrestling. This past... Uh, what, what day was it? I can't even keep track of the days. It was Friday.
1: Wasn't it Friday? It
2: was yeah. Friday. We left at so like... So
1: you said it was eight-hour drive down?
2: Yeah, it was... Uh, we left at 5.30... No, no, no. We met up at 6.30 a.m. And uh, I didn't get home until... About eleven thirty a.m. yesterday, so I was gone for over twenty four hours, and I drove. <laughs> uh, I made Daniel Garcia drive all the way there, and then uh, and then I, I drove like for three hours back, and then Jay Freddy took over and drove the rest of the way back. Well, he drove to Syracuse, and then I drove from Syracuse wow. to Buffalo. So it was, yeah, they, they were very nice, and they took the. It was all my car, but yeah, they they took the wheel. For a lot of it, and I took naps and stuff. Got very little sleep the night before, but I slept in this morning. Crashed as soon as I got home yesterday, and I'm feeling a lot better. But it was a great experience, and it was the furthest. I was thinking about this last night. This the furthest I've ever been away from home to wrestle. First time I've ever been in the state of Maine. And, of course, I was traveling with uh, these three guys from Grapplers. Puff, who you may have heard of, the, the big guy Puff. Kevin Blackwood and Daniel Garcia, who travel like almost every weekend. They're really working hard on the indies, and uh, it was great to finally get out there with them on a on a really good show, Limitless. It was like a really a, a strong super indie crowd. I really enjoyed uh working there. And uh crowd was super hot. It was like this I heard
1: you even, even Wrestling Observer itself was in attendance.
2: The Wrestling Observer slash figure four wrestling uh universe Empire was in the building, Josh Nason. I got to meet Josh Nason uh in person for the first time and uh and Mookie has gone black. I don't know if he's still with us here. Mookie are you still there? Yes. Okay I'm nodding
1: my head Okay.
2: And, uh, see, but yeah, the crowd was really hot and uh, it was in this like old downtown Portland, Maine building with chandeliers and old paintings on the wall. And it was gaudy and it was great. And it was a really good experience. We wrestled Jay Freddie and John Silver, the thick boys, and we won. And I think we'll be back at limitless wrestling regularly. That's, and that's me in a tag team with Daniel Garcia called the shooting gallery.
1: Well, that sounds exciting for you, but that sounds like a lot of miles to be putting on there for your, your car. So perhaps, uh, if you live somewhere between Maine and Buffalo and you would like to get some private one-on-one time with Brandon Howard Thurston, Russell Mommatrician, you can, uh, set up a, a spot for him to stop and tutor you on the way to, uh, Maine, uh, yes. maybe once a week or once a month.
2: Yes, that would help with my expenses. Um, I, we, we will have to privately negotiate a, uh, a, a tutoring rate by the hour. But yes.
1: And do you, you, you got tutored recently? Uh, something, there's some, pictures on social media of mr luke harper from rochester new york coming all the way to the worst city on earth yes buffalo new york as he will tell you
2: for some reason he came to buffalo new york we were actually in lackawanna the school is actually in lackawanna which is like two miles from the city limits but uh yeah he came came to grapplers and he we did like a, kind of like a normal night of training, except for like everybody and their, you know, brother was there. It was like 35 people. There's a picture. And I think, I think if you count the heads, like 35 people are there. And, uh, cause they all knew he was going to be there. And, uh, we did 11 practice matches and we taught some fundamentals to newer people as well. And he, you know, he chipped in and he gave a lot of people good feedback and you know, everybody really loved it. We did like a two hour Q&A with him too.
1: Did you get him to bump? No, no, no,
2: no. He did not bump.
1: And I saw both men and women at the uh, training session there.
2: Yes. And, and she helps with, uh, that's Kate Carney. We, she helps with um, teaching fundamentals and stuff too. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And Brandon,
1: now that you've conquered Maine, what is the next state on your uh, goal here? Is it going to be, uh, you, you need to get back to Philly so you can wrestle Anita?
2: I am open for bookings against uh, sushi Anita. My fee is very high though, because Anita is very, a very, very scary person very scary man but uh no i don't know i'm going to pwr uh, next saturday in erie pennsylvania gonna dominate that state again I, m- I might even win a title titles on the line PWR heavyweight title so we'll see what happens
1: indeed indeed um uh, what i was going to talk to today about brandon is of course uh the craziness going on in wwe stock and uh have you been following the recovery all week long
2: I have not. I've been pretty busy. You're going to have to get me updated on this. I see there's been some Guggenheim comments, some JP Morgan comments. Uh, the stock, stock market's been doing a little bit better in the last few business days, hasn't it? I know it was going through a really rough time the week before. My portfolio was taking a big hit, but. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's a, there's a great graph we have in the, um, the, the Google doc here where it shows how WWE stock peaked. Close to 100, not at quite at 100, more like at 95 around the end of September. And then you had the Khashoggi news. You had um, differences going on in the S&P marketplace. You had all sorts of stuff. And that stock just begins going down, 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 down. And it shoots down to below $70. And then it recovers again in in the end of November to um, above 70 And then it shoots down again all the way down to almost $60, um, almost where it was back in the beginning of July, almost, you know, six months ago. And then this week, it's been almost a a straight line back up, you know, starting the week Mm a little bit below $64. Then by the end of day one, 65, day two, around 66, day three, getting up 68. And then by November 30th, we saw a big jump. We're over 70 bucks. And now we're ending at a little, a hair, 73.96, below 75. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sorry, below 74. So interesting just to see kind of the recovery for WWE. I would argue we have learned zero things about WWE in the past month here that we didn't know already, uh, specifically in the past week here.
2: Yeah, if, if, um, and I'm looking at uh, a graph of the S&P 500 over the same six-month time period and, it, and the, this last week or two. It really reflects WWE and the S&P 500 uh, just from my eyeball look seem to correlate quite a bit and so it's funny to see how
1: you know when one of these stocks says oh it could be you know 86 instead of 84 that supposedly helps the the marketplace but the reality is it's the same information we've always known which is wwe is going to supposedly announce their uk deal in the next 4 weeks here uh you know the, the we were hearing a lot more news about what's happening with nxt uk um, with, you know, all the different people that are are now kind of getting more and more exclusive contracts with Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate and Trent Seven and Tony Storm and Rio Rio Ripley and Eddie Dennis and Dave Mastiff and Jordan Devlin and Zach Gibson, James Drake, El Ligurio, uh Mark Andrews, Joe Connors, Mark and Joe Kofi, uh, Wolfgang, Travis Banks, Flash, Morgan Webster. I think T-Bone is in there somewhere. And then, you know, even people like Walter, who is apparently actually signed like an NXT UK deal and then agreed to just base himself out of Germany.
2: Yeah, um, M- Mookie just mispronounced about half of those names. So apologies to those wrestlers out there.
1: No, but, no, no. C- Mookie correctly pronounced all of those names. Unfortunately, the UK pronunciations have not yet fallen in line with standard American English uh, as pronounced perfectly by Christian Mookie got a herring every single time.
2: But we have no, no idea. We have no clues yet about what the UK deal is. And they've, they've promised, they've been promising this for like a year, right? That they're going to announce a a new UK TV deal by the end of this year. And as you said, they've only got four weeks to to go here.
1: Though we do have, um, George has got a big
2: talk coming up. The UBS Um, talk this Tuesday, this Tuesday in New York or something.
1: And you know, there's one less trading day this week.
2: That's right because George H. W. Bush Bush passed away the other night and um, they're going to close An the market on Wednesday day of the morning. Yeah, yeah,
1: they uh, they cancel the stock market for a day, which I was unaware it happened. That was news to me.
2: Do they do that when when presidents die? Do they do that I for Reagan? Up,
1: and they did it when Reagan died. Okay. They did it when Ford died. They did it when uh, even when Nixon died.
2: Oh wow. Okay.
1: So yeah, it's 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 not we don't have like a completely strict rule that says you have to do this. But it has been the policy of the New York Stock Exchange, basically, to do that. Okay. So it says he's uh, expected to talk at 1.45 p.m. Eastern Time, the 46th annual UBS Global Media and Communications Conference, New York City. Um, and uh, it should be available online for us to listen in on. Um, and so I have a feeling next week's show is going to be probably dominated by that discussion.
2: Yeah, it, it, there's, there's a webcast link on the, on the corporate website for WWE already. So I expect to be listening to that live. Yeah. And, and usually you and I
1: will listen to that. Um, I found this UBS conference to be kind of the kickoff of conference season is usually you kind of have this December through like March where there's a couple conferences where the, those comments coming. And of course, this was really exciting five years ago, six years ago when we were about to kick off the WWE network and we were getting more and more hints about what was going to happen. Um, it's, it's kind of quieted down in recent years about having big revelations. But, uh, one, one point that I keep trying to make to everyone is that WWE having two co-presidents in Michelle Wilson and George Berrios is a very new thing. This has not been going on for a year. This started in, I think, February of this year. Yeah. So we're barely a year into this new reign. And you'd say, well, what, what's different? What's changed? And I'd say very little yet. But what they're doing is they're building the bricks, um, position by position. Uh, uh, ecosystem by ecosystem, tranche by tranche or, uh, uh, whatever George's, uh, phrase would be, but to build what a new version of what WWE network is going to become. And so I'm really curious to see what implications there is around just his strategy focus because you can't rely forever on the idea that you just got a big TV rights deal and that's going to be worth a gazillion dollars. And, uh, that's all you have to do. And in fact, I was thinking about it this morning and one thing I, I'm curious about is whether or not WWE is going to get all that money that that they think they're going to get
2: from what? From the TV from, deals. From the UK TV deals.
1: No, 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 from the US TV deals. What do you think Fox and, and, say, and NBC Universal are going to pay out? Well, here's the thing. So they used a agent. I don't remember whether it was um UTA or WGA or who who they ended up using as their final agent um for the Fox deal. But remember there was all that talk about how they ended up bringing in an agent this time and they didn't do it in-house.
2: Mhm. To, well, and speculation is to, to kind of p- to politically protect whatever W corporate executive would have been involved.
1: Well, plus those people are much better at negotiating okay. TV deals because they do it every single mm. day with okay. hundreds of properties. Yeah. And they, but one consequence of that is that those are expensive, not just in the upfront cost, but sometimes they even take a percentage of the deal as a commission. Okay. Where, you know, say you want a $200 million commission. Well, maybe they're taking 5% of that. So I, I just mean that there's a little bit more in the fees that I think some people might be recognizing, um, because they might be assuming, oh, all that money's going to go to WWE. And there actually might be some that's going to kind of middlemen in a way that it, it was just kind of striking me today when I was thinking about it. And the same thing might be true in the UK deal and the India deal, depending on whether or not they're, they're, um, you know, working with other people uh i fully think uk deal is going to be with sky i i just don't see itv coming up to play i don't see amazon making a big deal i don't see um any of the other players that kind of were were people that were driving the price up last time to really be the same this time so i i do think that um it's probably going to be with sky once again
2: mm-hmm. So as was wme img and an endeavor ceo and those are two separate companies, right? But those are not just the same company that has been recently rebranded, right? And Ari Emanuel is uh, the CEO of Endeavor, who helped, uh, helped W negotiate their deal, at least with Fox, if not NBC Universal as well.
1: But I don't know if that would have been the final one. I thought they, at the last minute, they brought in a different team um, from a different company because they felt that it was a conflict of interest because of the UFC deal. That. Uh, originally it was going to be Endeavor. And then at the very last minute, they ended up switching to a different team because then they, they were really afraid that there was going to be a conflict there. Mm. Like if you find, are you looking at that sporting news or the sports business journal one about like the battle, to get the deals done?
2: Yes. How, how UFC, let's see how UFC and WWE, uh, the fight to sell UFC and WWE's media rights. Uh, and I think there was. Out of, out of this report, we learned that there is some pressure from Fox to drop WMEIMG from the negotiations. According to her, this is from a, a flightful fightful article now. But according to a report from the Sports Business Journal, a move was made by Fox representatives to pressure the WE into using a different company during negotiations other than Ari Emanuel and WMEIMG. As C-Media, $1.5 billion and CAA was behind a $2.34 billion deal by NBC, Universal, and Fox. Yeah. So CAA did end
1: up going to CAA. So
2: CAA is the, is the, company that you're trying to think of, right?
1: Yeah, Creative Artists okay. uh, Advocates. or Agency, yeah. So, I guess just my point was that, you know, everyone's assuming that all 205 goes straight to WWE, but I just want to make them be a little bit lower. Now, that's not going to be the difference between WWE being an incredibly rich company and WWE being a poor company, but it just kind of makes me think um, that WWE is still going to have to keep finding engines to make themselves exciting. And right now... Um, there's crazy views on this. Uh, I don't know if you saw this piece by I think it's Stan Victor was his name on Seeking Alpha. They have yeah. nothing
2: to worry about as far as attendance and TV ratings.
1: Yeah, this guy wrote this piece basically saying I'm I I I used to be really bearish on WWE. However, I've had a revelation. Ooh. Investors should view WWE as simply a streaming service. WWE Network and paid subscriptions to its VOD library and its pay-per-views is really the secret sauce here. My realization is that nothing else in the business matters or at least anything else is just a bonus. Everything WWE does from live events and merchand- merchandising to TV distribution deals is simply a conduit to get people to sign up for the WWE Network. As long as the show performance is distributed around the world via the subscription service, live TV viewership numbers do not matter.
2: What about TV rights?
1: No, he just said right there in the middle of it. He said TV distribution deals is simply a conduit.
2: But but those are but the TV rights? Uh section of their business is worth far more than the W network is
1: on a profit basis on a revenue basis, just on every appreciable measure, but you know, on <laughs> invisible made up measures, it's not okay.
2: Well, that doesn't make much sense, but okay.
1: Yeah. So it's a crazy piece. It's a, it's a crazy way of taking it. but it, I, I think it just speaks to, you know, this is toys.com to me. Sometimes this is, this is like the web boom of 2000 where the more money you lose, the better your company must be because we're using reverse logic to evaluate things sometimes, where people just fixate on something and say, oh, the WWE Network is, is got 1.7 million people. Uh, soon, though, they could have 1.8 million people, Brandon. Maybe even 1.9 million people. But the and growth- we would have only sacrificed hundreds of millions of dollars to acquire maybe a couple hundred thousand subscribers. How is that not a good deal?
2: Yeah, but the subscriber growth of the WWE Network has slowed over time. Exactly. We're, we're getting some incremental no, I mean- growth still, but it's not... Uh- I would not be hoping for the three to four million that George Barry was projected th- all those years ago. Uh, and, but they might get some more value out of it by tiering.
1: I think the Fox deal is great for WWE for exposure. It will have a halo effect on their sub numbers. Absolutely. Just don't think it's going to have a meaningful halo, halo effect anywhere in correspondence to the hundreds of millions of dollars they're getting for SmackDown. But I think it's a win-win for WWE because you both expose yourself to a larger audience and at the same time can cross-promote other things. But the concept that WWE is based about it being a subscription service is once again the fundamental flaw of people not understanding what is wrestling about. Wrestling's about stars. Wrestling's about content. And it's not about just people who want to quote buy the WWE network. Mm-hmm. You're fighting with so many other networks and so many other people who who want to buy your streaming dollar. And the, the idea that you can get these niche services to a long period of time is going to be very fair. I think as we see bundles begin to grow and you see the zones and the ESPN Pluses and, and the Bleacher Report Lives and all these other services that are coming together to kind of bring many different sports onto a single platform, you know, these, these niche corners are going to have to either be the MLB TVs, the absolute premieres of their world, or they're going to have to fold into somebody else. I've said it before. I always thought flow sports was a great acquisition target for these companies that want to kind of expand their library very quickly. Um, and if you were trying to look at the, uh, the viability of the the model of flow sports, you might be better off just thinking of it as a startup that's waiting to be acquired by a Google rather than looking at it as someone who wants to be the next Facebook. So I, I was just really intrigued by the fact that we're back up to $74 I have to believe the UK deal is going to get people excited. Um, It'd be curious to see whether or not George has anything to say about that um, by the December 3rd or whether they will have the deal announced. I I just feel like we're already at the point here where it's going to be later and later and later in the year. Um, I don't think they have any more big uh, UK tapings going on this year, though, right? It usually happens in November. No, they already did
2: did them in November and they'll be back in April. That's the the international touring schedule. And then, don't they also
1: have the takeover in January?
2: They announced a takeover in January. That's right, they did. So I don't know. Maybe, so, uh, but that'll probably be NXT stuff. You know, that's what they do. They, they bring over NXT stuff. Will. I
1: mean, that, that the only the only counter to that could be is if they really wanted to, you know, make a big splash, you could include the UK TV deal as part of that UK takeover in early January. I guess it's uh, let's see how late is it? It's 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 um, Blackpool. January twelfth. Yeah, that's, that's not bad.
2: So that, that's I mean, be the first takeover that's not going to be ran, uh, at least in a while, right? Then in, in years, that's not going to be ran uh, side by side with a, a big pay per view, especially one that's going to be not at full sale. Is
1: that completely true? Didn't they do um, challenge me? Was it not a UK? Maybe they did t- TV tapings, but they didn't do a takeover when they went to like Australia and Japan. They did
2: an NXT takeover London. Maybe that was also the same situation. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking.
1: But just, I just think it's intriguing that, you know, you you oftentimes do want to tentpole these things by, like, being in market to make a big deal about the fact you have a new TV deal. And yes, they can just send somebody over to go do it, but I could also see them maybe trying to piggyback the two to say, hey, we have a new big deal. And still, there's a a big question looming about whether or not they would throw an NXT UK-type television program onto UK television. And then maybe make that just a higher tier opportunity here domestically or something. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Um, ROH is, uh, kind of coming back from the dead in my mind about, I, I, I say that disparagingly, but it, it does feel like, you know, they, they've been kind of the third rant here between, uh, New Japan and WWE. And of course the rumors of this AEW all elite wrestling company, um, that, that Ring of Honor has really been left in the cold. Um, which is funny to say for a company that's got it, such a big show coming up later on this year, but uh, they are making some announcements. I know they just recently announced that they re-signed Jay Lethal to, I think, a three-year deal, and uh, and they made announcements of two more wrestlers coming in, right?
2: Yeah, the PCO, Pierre Carl has been signed to, to Ring of Honor uh, according to him for the biggest money of his career, and, mm. uh, and, and a rising uh, in, indie star Brody King has been signed as well to Ring of Honor.
1: Yeah, and I think it says a couple things. First of all, MLW, their placement in the marketplace. Uh, if you can get, if you can start signing their people to new deals and they can even not fulfill their remaining dates, that should tell you something about how strong those MLW contracts are.
2: Mm-hmm. Not very so, strong is what you're saying.
1: I'm saying, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. I, I mean, I'm sure there are some guys that are signed to very strong deals, but, um, it does say something to me about like the viability of when people try to argue, oh, no, well, you know, maybe number three right now is MLW or something.
2: They're well, I mean, like, I mean, like if you
1: don't have exclusive contracts on your guys, mm-hmm. you are incredibly at risk.
2: Well, I mean, if, if, what, what is MLW getting out of the people who they're signing? They're getting priority, right? And nothing else. So think about how much that would cost. That wouldn't cost as much as real exclusivity. Yeah, we we yeah absolutely.
1: Reason. I'm just making the point that yeah. I think we are still in a marketplace where we have to g- drive towards exclusivity, because it is increasingly difficult to um, just rely that you'll be able to get the talent, and you won't have some other deal interfere with it, anything from a world of sport-type situation, all the way down to WWE, NXT UK deals.
2: So, do you think that just getting... Talent priority priority over talent is is not enough. You need to be yeah, exclusive world, worldwide or or nationwide because an inter- international deal might come up that might make the talent that you have signed unavailable to you nonetheless.
1: And and it just says maybe we've gone through the the latest kind of halcyon days of it being good, where you could see the same talent all around the world working so many different places. Mm-hmm. And that we're going to go back to the world of of a lot more rigid exclusivity between wh- who can work where and when and how. Mm-hmm. I, I just I feel like the the door is closing. I feel like 2018 will be the end of that chapter. That for a couple of years here, you you had guys that were able to bounce around quite a lot, and we even saw this in places you never thought you'd see it, like in Mexico with AAA and CMLL, where you had guys like Phoenix and 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 Pentagon working, you know promotions that in the past would never have allowed people to work both, but it was people like LA park kind of kicking the door down.
2: And let's think about like the recent history of these types of contracts. It really goes back to what ring of honor and, and evolve or WN, uh, signing kind of rising indie stars to these deals where they would get priority or the WN deals would say that hey, if, if W makes you an offer, you can go to WE but you can't take bookings with ring of honor.
1: Um, and, and then, you know, the flow slam deal where that really kind of sent some shockwaves through, through groups where people started to get nervous about, you know, why is this group signed to flow slam? And can I use this talent in other ways? Um, the, the bizarreness of evolve, not being part of a WWE network type, um, streaming service, the, of course, the way that fell apart (laughs) reminds me, I should go look up in that lawsuit. Just see if there's been any movement on that for a while. I haven't thought about that for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and just the other challenges being with, of course, you know, when World of Sport decided to make another go of it and there was kind of that, that counter punch of trying to sign a whole bunch of people to screw with that. It's, it's been, um, very interesting kind of, um, the last few years here. Mm-hmm. And again, we've even seen things like All Japan saying that they're going to start running, you know, what was it? Tryout camps here in the U.S. for oh, the really? first time?
2: I hadn't heard that. Um, yeah. but, but so it's, it's interesting to think about like we, I mean, if you go through a, a longer history of, of of wrestling, you know, the territory days where there really weren't strong written contracts, right? Everybody just kind of went wherever they were going to be. They were in a territory for a given amount of time, went to another territory. It wasn't really rigid, and people were more like independent contractors. And then as you get into the late 80s and 90s, then you've got real separation between like WF and WCW as far as who's signed to what. And then... um after the, after the WCWWF war ended and there's obviously people still signed to WWE, but there's a lot of indie wrestlers who are just wrestling wherever, doing whatever. And, uh, and eventually we got, like I was talking about before, we got some ring of honor contracts some WN contracts, people being signed to those contracts, but also wrestling in other places. And Mookie thinks now we're going to see the the walls become more and more rigid and the the divider lines between promotions and who you belong to become more and more well-defined.
1: All Japan holding tryouts in San Jose in March Ooh. of 2019 in conjunction with pro wrestling revolution.
2: Okay. What, what are they going to do? Like sign some American wrestlers to be young lions or uh, they don't have young lions or right? they have whatever, they, you know, new wrestlers.
1: Maybe, maybe. I mean, um, they also mentioned Junet Akiyama is going to be wrestling. It'll be his U S debut. Wow. Uh, be.
2: He's never wrestling Obviously. in the U S has he? Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's what everyone keeps, keeps being like, what, is that really possible? And they yeah. keep like
2: trying, he, to, he trying never, to
1: play the game out in their head to say, is that really true? But,
2: um, yeah, cause you never did yeah. any of that ring of honor stuff. Masao, Kawashi and Kensa and Marufuji did, but, but Akiyama did not. Yeah. And, uh,
1: so that's, I just think that's interesting that, you know, we're even seeing, and I, I'm always curious about those kind of tryouts, whether or not they, oh, you know, whether they're marked tryouts or not, where, mm-hmm. you know, do they really have a plan for what they're going to do with you? What's or are they the going to take the one or two uh, Gaijin who they already, you know, normally would take over? Yeah. What's the fee? Zerfi um, have connections with people. Fee? um, it you know it just said email. It, and If you're listening, you want to do this tryouts at prowrestling-revolution.com. Limited spots available. Um, this was posted about a month ago on Reddit, and uh, I know I've heard some other t- chatter about it since then. And uh, he will also be taking part in the All Japan Pro Wrestling Tryouts. So best of luck to Akiyama. I hope he makes it. He's going to be trying out himself for his own promotion.
2: I'm hoping. I'm okay. hoping that's what that, the language means. Okay. okay, let's talk about MSG and NXT.
1: Yeah, so last week you and I were, we were befuddled. We were um, confused. We were uh, disoriented and perplexed on whether or not NXT and MSG were going to be running head-to-head. And then we looked it up, and we saw that the tickets did say they were going to run head-to-head, but, quote, you know, it was like time subject to change or something.
2: Yeah, and we looked at the Barclays calendar, and it it did list NXT for Saturday night last week.
1: But as of December 1st, which is yesterday, it did say that WWE has, has switched it up, and they have mentioned that it will now, NXT TakeOver New York will be held on Friday, April 5th the Hall of Fame ceremony will take place on Saturday, April 6. And it says it's going back to, quote, its previous WrestleMania week schedule, uh, which was was Friday, then Saturday. And it's interesting, of course, because the MSG show uh, will be going head to head, in fact, with the Hall of Fame ceremony instead of the uh, ROH and New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Supercard at Madison Square Garden on Saturday
2: night. So WWE is backing down from ring of honor in new japan that's what i'm that's what i should read here right i don't know what to read into this it's it's a weird one because in some way it's not
1: the same audiences and they've already sold out pretty much all those msg tickets i mean they're trying to resell a bunch of them now um but for whatever reason they're choosing not to do that that uh head to head which I, i do find intriguing
2: network readership maybe but, well, come on, yeah, yeah. network viewership, because people will be, that the Ring of Honor New Japan show will be a pay-per-view of some sort. There's a factor, I don't know, that's certainly not the only factor.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it could be for, from a from a staging and ring work type thing, I would imagine it's a heck of a lot easier to do a Friday night wrestling show, Saturday night is not a wrestling show, and Sunday is a wrestling show so that you don't feel that
2: your production crew is necessarily the same sort of stressed out? Well, I just found tickets that are not on sale yet for NXT TakeOver in Barclays Center on April 5th. They will go on sale in two days, Wednesday, December 5th at 10 a.m. Eastern.
1: Oh, okay, so it could also be a ploy that they were afraid that they they would not immediately sell out, and that would make them look really bad. Yeah. Which is a fair, fair fear, is that even people who couldn't get MSTG tickets, it sounds like there's... Hundreds, if not thousands, available now on resale. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's the right thing to do for them. Is that if you want to maximize your opportunity, it, it might not make the most sense for you to run head to head. And of course, the conspiracy theorist and everyone will start saying, "Well, that means we can expect that Kenny Omega and the Bucks
2: are going to show up on NXT Takeover and the MSG show on both shows." But but they would both have to shows be on. Um... They
1: haven't been advertised for.
2: Yes. Well, but they would have to be on the WWE show first. The, the idea would be that they, if they would be jumping ship from New Japan slash Ring of Honor to WWE, how do you do that when the WWE show comes on Friday and the New Japan Ring of Honor show comes on Saturday?
1: Because they have the super duper contract because they get signed to the best contract in the universe. That even allows them to run the MSG show. An
2: open contract.
1: Open contract. A, a uh, the, the, the CM Punk of all contracts. I see.
2: The Brock Lesnar of all
1: contracts.
2: And then they'll show, there'll probably be a UFC fight that weekend too. That maybe they'll do a run in on.
1: <laughs> probably be on, uh, zone They'll also show up mm-hmm. at the board meeting of zone and they'll super kick everybody on the board. Yes. But yeah, I think that's, a uh, really intriguing. Um, it, it's so fascinating that, you know, WWE is not going to have MSG, uh, you know, Monopoly after so many years. And yet it does sound like they're actually probably going to be running a lot more MSG next year. WWE is. Yeah, I believe so that, uh, I think they're going back into the garden a lot more for house shows, to, uh, kind of re cement that relationship just for house shows, probably just for house shows. Cause it's so darn expensive to run a show there yeah. and do a taping. Yeah. It's just an intriguing place. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of fascinating that even in the year of our Lord 2019, uh, MSG is still the epicenter of the wrestling wars.
2: Yes. So we know Mookie will be going to Japan for Wrestle Kingdom. Will he be going to, uh, New York City for WrestleMania? Will I be going to New York City for WrestleMania? I might be.
1: I think that's the better question is, uh, is Brandon's aunt going to put him up for WrestleMania weekend? She or is will. in fact Brandon going to be staying at a La Cuenca Inn somewhere? Uh, and, uh, is that like a nice, is that, is that a nice hotel? Is
2: that a nice hotel? La Quinta?
1: La Quinta. Is that a nice hotel? He asked?
2: is that a nice hotel? I don't know. I stayed in the Econel Lodge for last WrestleMania. Yes, you did. And that was quite the challenge. As Mookie says, that was a challenge.
1: Um, I stayed at a, uh, Sheraton, uh, this past week. I was in San Diego all week long, hmm. uh, stuck in a hotel room.
2: You were, and, you were monitoring uh, the border situation, weren't you?
1: My, you know, Truthfully speaking, there was no less than 50 customs and border guards staying in our hotel. Wow. So like every day, like 50 guys with guns and heavy artillery would like come piling out of the car, out of the elevators and like jump into a bus and then take off and then come back that night. Weapons in the hotel. Kind of. Wow. And, and it was just like, I I guess they're like reservists who got called in or something crazy. But yeah. Um no no the the parting gift was of course Marriott having a giant data breach on Friday. And so as I as I woke up it said, you know, 500 million people's identities leaked by Marriott.
2: Is it including your credit card number?
1: Uh it includes a lot of data and of course they they have no clue how much
2: information it would include. Yes. It's probably been it, dump, dumped into a Google sheet by now and shared.
1: Well, I mean it's one of these where they say Basically, they, they probably got the encrypted version of all the credit card numbers. Hmm. Now the question is, did they get the key?
2: Hmm.
1: We'll never know, but you know, cryptocurrency. Um, I'm joking. Yeah. So that was, that was my week in San Diego. I don't know whether I'm going to go to WrestleMania or not. I haven't, I have not made that decision. I'm actually, it's, I'm the sort of guy that I have a very difficult time kind of bringing my life past a certain milestone where I kind of fixate on that milestone. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like that trip to Japan. Okay, That's a cool weekend. That's a big week for me. And so that would be really cool. But my birthday's right after that. My wedding anniversary's right after that. There's mm-hmm. a whole like anniversaries of other stuff right after that. So it's going to be a really busy couple months for me yeah. right after that. But I'm not focusing on that at all. I'm just like, get to Christmas, spend a week with my family, spend a week in Japan, figure out what happens after that. So here, Here's I what like, I'm banking on.
2: I'm I'm hoping that by April, there will be so much talent signed to various exclusive contracts that uh, to 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 populate all of these indie shows with talent. They'll they're gonna have to call me up. I'm gonna they're gonna have to reach for the bottom of the barrel here, and somebody's gonna pay pay my way to New York City.
1: I don't think it's the bottom of the barrel. I think it's the top of the cup. Right? Whatever you say. It's right behind you. It's right over your. uh So people can't see here. Brandon has has festooned the cup festooned. with Christmas lights. What and like streamers at this point, oh, and there's a like idea. a little like flashing like beacon next to it, so it's very distracting hmm. when watching him on the Google video.
2: None, none of this is none of this is true, but it is inspiring. And uh, I may be going to <laughs> to a store later, if not today, tomorrow, to buy some Christmas lights and to wrap this trophy in. That's a great idea for social, for social media purposes, because as you know, to be a professional wrestler who has any success these days, you have to be astounding on social media and that includes that may include christmas lights blinking if possible
1: i think your whole gimmick should be that you're the cup master and like you you not only you have the big cup here but you come out with sippy cups you come out with plastic
2: cups you come out with commemorative coca-cola cups no no you just not now you've gone too far not now you're flanderizing the gimmick not no
1: and but the whole idea is that you you evaluate the uh the Caliber of your opponent, and then you decide the type of cup that they are worthy of competing for against uh, someone who is as, as talented as you.
2: Mm. No, I've, I've already tuned, tuned you out. I'm not doing it.
1: <laughs> I, I feel like a, I feel like a, uh, a idea machine coming from grapplers and, and knowing how they must be. Yeah, th- this is
2: probably why George Barris has no creative input because he's probably the sort of ideas he's coming up with these pitching events <laughs> again.
1: How dare you? Um, Speaking of creative ideas, uh, new legal filings this week. I know I'm not always the best. I've been posting these over on the Reddit uh, we have. Uh, I'm pretty much the only guy over there, but I'm I am still actually updating it every now and then little things. So this week, um, because it was it was kind of a, a truncated week last week with uh, Thanksgiving. And so this is a two week kind of legal filings thing. And uh, the interesting legal filings this week was one of them was was a memo on opposition. To defendants' motions that dismiss the first amended complaint in the Alexander versus Take Two Interactive Software lawsuit, which of course is which lawsuit, Brandon? The Randy Orton tattoo lawsuit. That's right. That's correct. Well done. Um, so that's just their argument basically on why they, they would argue they should not dismiss um, the lawsuit. And so I think it's worth reading. Um, that's an interesting one. It makes a lot of references to what is it called? Solid Oak Sketchers, which is the other kind of famous tattoo lawsuit going on right now against like NBA 2K um, over, I think it's LeBron James uh, tattoos and very similar kind of uh, scope on things. So that's one that's worth reading. Um, there was a lot of minor filings in the Johnson versus Flair case, which is the uh, ex-husband of Ashley Flair, um, who's suing her over kind of what she wrote about him in the book and defamation and all these other things. And, um, up until now, he's been kind of pro se as a lawyer, but it looks like he might have finally got himself a lawyer. So I'm glad to hear that for he, his sake.
2: He's not just writing his own complaints anymore.
1: I'm hopefully it's a, it mentioned someone who is appearing on his behalf. And so, uh, just for the sake of people, I think doing the best job that they can when it comes to illegal actions, I, I don't think being pro se is a good idea usually. Hmm. Um, there was some filings in the global force entertainment versus anthem sports. Um, a lot, basically by the GFW, GFE, whatever you want to call it, Jeff Jarrett side of the business, um, response in opposition to the motion to dismiss for the lack of jurisdiction motion to dismiss the plaintiff's claims for lack of personal matter jurisdiction. That's one filing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Basically, if you recall, do you remember what their argument was? What Anthem's argument was?
2: Do you dismiss the case? Yes. Uh, No, I don't. They said we're Canadian. Oh, okay. Uh, wrong. Yeah. You don't have jurisdiction to sue us.
1: Yeah. You, they just basically said, we're, we're Canadian. You, you can't sue us in Tennessee law. We're Canadian, we're we're, Canadian. We're above the law. And so, so, so basically it's, it's their argument that no, there is a, a matter of personal matter jurisdiction. It doesn't apply to them. And then they also had another one there is, um, response and opposition to the dismissal to failure to state a claim and, and or lack subject matter jurisdiction by global force entertainment. So, um, those were interesting little filings. Uh, nothing, I mean, like earth-shattering or anything, but if any of you are lawyers out there, these are the longer filings that sometimes a little bit juicier in terms of the the academic arguments back and forth, which, you know, ultimately, they play a huge role. They're not as sexy as, you know, what the, the dirt you want to find in a wrestling lawsuit is, but they're going to play a much bigger role in terms of whether the judge keeps the lawsuit or throws it out. And then uh, Kairos had a little bit of activity in this past week here, um one filing was uh, or one blog post was all about water polo
0: water polo subjects
1: yeah and basically this argument about apparently some water polo players um sued over uh basically concussion from 1990 let's see what what year was it a 16 year old uh, daughter got a post concussion syndrome um and USA water polo uh was liable for her injuries uh in 2014 in a tournament uh, and basically, according to at least Kairos's interpretations of things around g- gross negligence that in fact, it worked. And so then he has this graphic here that says water polo equals legal rights. WWE wrestlers equal no legal rights. And he's used a very old WWF logo. Um, like the WWFE logo from like 2000, 2001. Yes. There's
0: There's
2: the like WF there. scratch logo.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a weird one. um, he also filed a, uh, I mentioned a while ago that he had filed a whole bunch of appeals and he did a, a blog posting where he, in fact, um, listed all the different appeals, uh, that he did. And so it's the William Hayes appeal, which is, uh, Billy Jack Haynes. Um, the, uh, Russ McCullough, My- Matt Weiss and Ryan Sakota, which is Sakota from the very short lived, um, Sakota to Jerry faction. Hmm. Um, Matt, Weiss or Weissy, I think it's Weiss is how you say his name, is Luther Reigns or Horseshoe is the two names he's known by and then Russ McCullough is also known as Big Russ McCullough and he was a, a developmental guy and uh, actually has has one of the worst stories in there where he, he claims basically as a punishment, I think Rikishi came in and beat the crap out of him with a chair as like yeah. a, a combination like know your role and a uh, you know hazing type thing. And he got injured pretty bad from that.
2: In training, that happened?
1: Um, no, it was actually, it happened on a show. Okay.
2: It happened on like yeah. a developmental show?
1: Like a developmental yeah. show out in California when they had, um, what was their California one? The, the one Cena came from. U, U, oh, uh, yeah, UPW. UPW, I Ultimate
2: think. Ultimate Pro Wrestling.
1: I think it was a UPW show. Okay. Um, and they also was an appeal there for Cassandra Frazier on behalf of Nelson Frazier, which is, of course, Viscera, Big Daddy V whatever you want to call him. Mabel. Uh, Mabel. Yep. Um, then you have Evan Singleton and Vito LaGrasso, which is, of course, Vito LaGrasso, better known as, you know, Vito, um, Vito the dress wearing freak, Vito from the Baldies, etc. Mm-hmm. And then, or um, uh, Skull Van Crush, if you want to go way back in the day. And then Evan Singleton, um, developmental wrestler. Um, then you had, uh, and Evan Singleton, as I will also mention, is the guy who I think is doing all the bodybuilding contests now. And there's been back and forths about whether or not he's, you know, too injured to do something. In fact, he's lots of pictures of him doing bodybuilding now. Um, there's the John Laurinaitis and 59 other people versus WWE and Vince McMahon, which is the road warrior animal on down. And then um, there's the sanctions. And then there's a question about the sanctions appeal and the dismissal of the Laurinaitis case. So he filed basically um, it's, it's called a form C and the, for the second circuit court of appeals, this is all about the concussion lawsuits. So he put onto his blog, all the form C's for all of these different cases that I just mentioned here. And each one of them runs probably 300 pages um, because it's a combination of all of the, um, all the people involved in the case, which sometimes is very long just to list that. Plus the appeals, plus all of the rulings that they're appealing, plus the um, docket itself with the name of like all the different actions that happened in the case. So um, if you're looking for a whole lot of content that is completely free, www.concussionlawsuitnews.com, you can watch the video that we covered on uh, this show, uh, I think on the free show, in fact, um, a couple weeks ago. Uh he he keeps reposting it and putting it higher on the blog. So when you open the blog, it's always the first post. But um he continues to post other things, uh, including a lot of legal documents. So
2: kind of interesting. Yeah, I think he's posting this stuff mainly for the benefit of you and Jerry McDivitt, right?
1: We we're the two people that appear to be reading it the most, possibly with Bix as number three. Yes. I think I think it's just the the three or four of us these days. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's posted some interesting stuff, like like all the Chris Benoit stuff he posted, um you know including Chris Benoit's contract, mm-hmm. which you know is is one of those things where I was like, "Wow, this is really interesting, and just in this day and age, just completely flew under the radar, but um, you know, for a guy who who tracks down wrestling contracts all the time, it's very interesting to me. So, and he posts a lot about other cases that he thinks are are analogous to wrestling. So NCAA performers and water polo, or college wrestlers, or or NFL lawsuit, anybody else who who appears to have a similar case, mm-hmm. and and what's happening in those cases, and
2: how different they are than what happened in the WWE case. Mostly like athletes involving uh, head injuries. Yes. So
1: So. Um, that's one thing I just wanted to cover quickly is to say we do have a Reddit. It's uh, Reddit.com slash r slash russellnomics, And uh, I'm still periodically putting things up there and we will probably put some more stuff up there around the uh, George Barrios talk this week. Um, that'll probably be a good source for, for uh, transcript and other things that we might post mm-hmm. in, in addition to that uh, along with uh, being on Twitter. And I'm very disappointed to say I did not play any role in breaking this case. Because I, uh, I, I do love kind of zooming through websites and trying to find interesting links. But, uh, it appears all the XFL cities have been announced.
2: Yes. I, I heard that in a car, th- uh, this weekend.
1: So they are Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, Lackawanna, Niagara Falls, mm-hmm. Albany, mm-hmm. Schenectady, mm-hmm. and, uh,
2: uh, Covington Heights. All, all all, upstate New York cities, as, as it just so happens.
1: I just made up that last city. Yeah, that's not even a real
2: place. But um, um
1: no, they're really, they, they actually are Dallas, Houston, LA, New York, St. Louis, Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Washington, D.C.
2: So these so, are all cities that have NFL teams. Um, Not all of them still have NFL teams, though, do they? You're asking the wrong people. Yeah, I th- I think, I think th- does, uh, does LA have a football team right now? What an embarrassing question to ask.
1: Oh, well, aren't they getting the Rams? Isn't that the whole deal? Yeah, L.A. Rams.
2: The Rams are in, in L.A. right now. Yes, yes, they are. So, so every city here has a football team.
1: Unless I'm mistaken, it's the Rams are moving. No, no, that was that was a different thing. I'm all confused. Yeah, we are the worst people possible to talk about football. But I, I think that the interesting things to me are, are number one, I'm going to be fascinated if any of these um, cities also kind of double up to be WrestleMania cities. Because it's well known that WWE was, in fact, kind of sharing resources with the XFL side to help kind of negotiate some of these things, including using some of the same people that negotiate the, the WrestleMania stuff.
2: So WrestleMania is happening in New York this year. There's no Minneapolis yeah. here. Minneapolis didn't get an XFL team.
1: They didn't. And, and I'm not surprised they didn't. Um, you know, if anything, I'd expect them to, to go more to warm weather cities as much as they can.
0: Um, um because no especially New Orleans since here. aren't
1: they trying to play between like February and, 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 and June or something? Spring football. Yeah. So it's, it's not the most glorious time to be in the, in, in the Midwest.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, I'll just be curious to see the crossover between the two. We're still waiting, of course, on the next WrestleMania announcement. Um, for uh, what's coming up in the coming years. Uh, there's always, of course, WrestleMania is a big rumor, but. You know, if, if you Google right now Minneapolis WrestleMania, you know what comes up most? What? Uh, Jer- uh, Jesse Ventura was recently in town to talk to our governor and elect, Tim Walls. And of course, every time they ask, like, Jesse, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm in the same shape I was in when I was a, uh, a Navy SEAL. And they're like, why is that? And he's like, well, you never know what you got to be ready for. Could be the presidency, could be WrestleMania.
2: And he has to be in physical shape to to become the president.
1: Oh, he seems to be in
2: Navy SEAL shape.
1: I think, I think that's part of, part of his gimmick is that, you know, to be, he's always got to be ready.
2: The the job of president seems to have changed quite a bit in the last year. So who knows what it will (laughs) involve?
1: Who knows? Especially a guy who lives most of the year
2: in Mexico. Is that where he lives now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He moved. I mean, maybe he's back in the U S but for a while there, he was living in Mexico. Mostly.
2: He believes all sorts of conspiracy theories now, doesn't he?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's always been a, a piece of work, put it that way. And, uh, what we just had, I think it was the 20th anniversary of his, uh, inauguration. Mm-hmm. And one of the pieces I will say that was very, very entertaining is they had on his, um, chief of staff and they said to him, well, you know, a lot of people compare Donald Trump's election to Jesse Ventura's and the chief of staff goes off. And it's a pretty entertaining thing oh. where he just, he just, he does a really good job of like just breaking down the like 30 differences between Ventura and Trump. And you, you cannot agree with a lot of things that Ventura believed in, but there's also, he was also a lot. He, he, you know, people forget that he used to be like a mayor of a town and has had an extensive military experience and did a lot of other things in his life prior to kind of running for governor. Mm-hmm. And so he, he, he was probably, um, un, underqualified in some ways, but he was also very, very in, integrated into political atmosphere at the time here in Minnesota. Hmm. And, and people kind of forget how like it was a third party run and like we were kind of very split in Minnesota at the time, which is why it ended up working out. And then all the, all the crazy things that happened. And a lot of it just came down to he was very unwilling to negotiate with people for favors. But he was very willing to negotiate with anyone.
2: You weren't living in Minnesota at the time that he was governor, were you?
1: No, no. Okay. I didn't move to Minnesota until 2006. Okay. So he was already well done by then. But I've, um, but I've talked to a lot of people and in the middle of that was when, um, a, a man named Senator, uh, Wellstone died. And so that was a big deal because he, he died in a plane crash. It was really bad. Seen and then governor Ventura. And then they got into big fights at the funeral and all that. And my wife was working on the campaign for Wellstone at the time. Oh. so she was very, uh, integrated with kind of what was happening there. And so I've talked to her a lot about that time. Oh, yeah. Almost everybody has a Jesse story. I'll say that much, <laughs> even to this day. Uh, the only other thing I want to talk about was just, um, you know, every six months or so, I like to just go on scholar.google.com and I just type in pro wrestling or wrestling or, or something of that fact. And then you can filter how old the articles are. So, you know, a lot of times I'll just filter it to the last year or the last two years just to see what is the new scholarship that has been posted about wrestling in the last couple of years here. And, um, there's, there's a amazing array of things that has come out in the last couple of uh, years here. Some of which um, seems like it's really good. Some of it, which <laughs> seems like it's ridiculous. And these,
2: are it seems... articles, from, these are mostly new articles, then. This is not funny. These are mostly new articles published in within the last few years, then.
1: Yeah, this is like 2018 articles. Ooh. Almost all of them. Okay. I don't think a single one of them are articles that have not been, that I've ever talked about or seen before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, one of them was uh, called the Native American Playing Indian Internal Colonization and Professional Wrestling Rhetoric. Um, and that was specifically about Tatanka. Uh, and we don't have Clemens. links
2: to these, the, the full text of these articles. We just know that they've been published. Is that right?
1: Uh, almost every one of them, I found the full text. Oh, and I, did you? I, I tried to link to the actual full text of the article.
2: I see. I can buy them. I can buy this one for $18.
1: I think that was the only one I was having an incredibly hard time actually finding the article. Hmm. Um, yeah, that one, I might not have ever been able to actually find that article because I really did want to see... What a Tatanka related article would be about. Um, most of the other ones, I spent a while searching for other name, other like sources like narrative change in professional wrestling, audience address and creative authority in the era of smart fans by Christian Norman.
2: Let me just read the Um, abstract for this Tatanka article. This article focuses on the tension extant, extant was, I mean, in the ways in which Tatanka, a Native American wrestler, person, assumes the identity of another tribe's per- person to generate both economic and social capital, we address Tatanka's narrative as an example of internal colonization and commodification, given that he had had to play Indian to pass as an authentic Native American. We discuss these two critical concepts and then provide some analysis of the public fragments that surround Tatanka's narrative. Tatanka's still taking Indie bookings, by the way. You can still book them.
1: There's a Luke Harbour versus Tatanka match you can watch from
2: I'm like CW or something. It's it's in Niagara Falls, New York. It was a. Uh, yeah. Was, Buffalo
1: BCW maybe.
2: No, it was like this one off thing that happened in Niagara Falls, New York. Yeah. Yeah. It involved it, a lot pretty- of tomahawk chops to the head and, and Luke Harper pacing around the ring. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, the, the other article I was just talking about the smart fans article. Yeah. Uh, this was a PhD dissertation. Really? And, uh, yeah, at uh, Georgia state university. Wow. And it's a, a methodological contribution to the field of critical rhetoric by positioning narrative theory as a powerful yet underutilized tool for examining the power dynamic between producer and consumer in a participatory media context.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, there's a uh, wrestling with the controller Why professional wrestling's relationship with realism and narrative has hindered its re- remediation into the computer game form by Frank Roddy. Now, what is this Um, about? Is this
2: about the fact that, like, when you play wrestling video games, you're playing it as if it's it's a shoot rather than trying to perform in a certain way to reach certain goals, which is the way that pro wrestling is actually performed?
1: So this was written at the University of South Wales. So the abstract by Mr. Frank Ruddy, uh, who I found this article using his LinkedIn page. Yes. Um, The remediation of wrestling from television to video games has resulted in a loss of match narrative, match structure, and ring psychology. And later he talks about the paper questions whether or not wrestling belongs in any of the standard video game genres, sport, beat 'em up, franchise, it makes recommendations for recreating professional wrestling in the video game medium that accurately recreates the television-based spectacle. So I think the um part of the idea is is just around that the way you would structure a match for television is nothing like the way you structure a match when you're just like trying to win straight up in a professional wrestling game.
2: So they want to make it more like you're performing for certain match quality goals.
1: I think so, and I think they're just trying to make the point that you, you, one is kind of like a written story, and the other is is kind of like you're trying to do the shoot version of a written story. Yeah, I, yeah. I have not read this whole article; it's not very long. It's only about 17 pages. Mm. So I, I do will challenge our our listeners who um will be able to to look at all these notes by just going to the RSS feed. We'll include a link to this in the RSS feed. Okay. And uh, they'll be able to click on it themselves and check it out.
2: We'll, we'll put a link in the description is what you're asking me to do. Yes. 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 It will not be a separate instance in the RSS feed. You'll just be looking the, in looking the description of the podcast that you're listening to right now. And if I've done my job correctly, there'll be a hyperlink to the notes. That is correct.
1: Um, the most WrestleNomics of WrestleNomics articles I could find here. Had to be statistical analysis of the frequencies of opponents' eliminations in Royal Rumble wrestling matches 1988 through 2018.
2: You didn't write this? You didn't write that.
1: I did not write this. Oh. And it was one of these things where I saw it and I was just like, I can't tell if this is awesome or terrible. Because it's basically just using Excel to look at something really basic. And um the, the people that wrote this are a combination of, um, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different people. Um, their universities include, um, three from Nigeria, one from UK, one from Italy and one from Ukraine, but almost all of the names. And what are, are
2: their names? Are,
1: what are their names? What are their names? I can't say all these, these names. These are, these are Nigerian names. I'm not familiar with how to pronounce Mm-hmm. But like, uh, Hillary Okogabe and Azin Irundu and, uh, Adararim, uh, Atiyeri and so forth. I'm not very good at, at Nigerian name pronunciation, okay. but, um, it just, it's, it's an it open access piece that they put up as a data article. And it's, you know, it's, fun in the sense that there's something to be said about it. I don't know what it is (laughs) to be honest. I will have to spend some more time kind of digging through it to see what it would tell me, you know, is there really, you know, a a magic spot that you should be, you'd want to be, you know, it talks a little bit about it it is most likely the first entrance often spends more time in the ring, leading to more eliminations while the last entrance comes in vitality and eliminates more opponents than who may have been exhausted after such a long time in the ring. So, you know, they're, talking about different numbers and whatnot. So I, I love it in the sense that it's, it's as if you took, you know, it's, it's WrestleNomics 101. It's, it's taking wrestling data and then trying to apply some kind of standard to it. And if I was inventing a video game or something, I would actually love to have data like this because I think it would be really neat to model it as a way to, to look at computer behavior
2: in a Royal Rumble. Maybe that's what we'll do next. A WrestleNomics video game. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Get two thirds done with that and then just quit too. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, so I, I, I just thought that was an entertaining thing. Um, there is the popular cultural studies journal, volume six, number one, 2018. And this is a, this is, is, is a, a fascinating epi- like issue that they did. Um, but they, it's on two different subjects. So most of it's about professional wrestling, but then it also has a special section for sexual assault awareness month. Mm. So it kind of looks like it's a special edition pro wrestling. Special section sexual assault and i was like well how 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 uh, quaint would that be mm-hmm. if that in fact was what was happening here mm-hmm. but um there's a lot of articles i mean it, it, have you opened this
2: up to see it I, th- I think i saw your tweet about it let's see here
1: yes. yeah so i mean there's um a piece called why professional wrestling studies now legitimizing a field of interdisciplinary study there's one called professional wrestling scholarships legitimacy and kayfabe there's squared circle intentionalities. What a framework for wrestling studies can look like. Emotions are running high cycle. Psycho- psychological as- approaches to the study of professional wrestling, a critical criminology of professional wrestling and sports entertainment. Um, I learned most of my anatomy from WWE, a health communication argument for health related studies of pro wrestling. Where that is the solar Real American? Plexus. There's, I mean, there's like 25 articles in this piece. Yeah.
2: The so- wh- wh- uh, What part of the body is the solar plexus?
1: Be your stomach, wouldn't it? The
2: bread basket,
1: <laughs> uh, the unbeatable monster, and the horror of professional wrestling.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Independent professional wrestling is a crucible for research into masculinity. And each one of these pieces was written by someone different, so it's it's pretty impressive. And the last one here is very relevant to to um, uh, Brandon, Twitter, Facebook, and the professional wrestler, indie wrestler perspectives on oh, the wow. importance of social media.
2: Maybe I'll reopen our Patreon. I think you, and I think I'll you just, should
1: be assigning. I think you should assign each one of these ones as every student a different article, and have them give a book report at Grapplers every week.
2: That's a good idea. Yeah, we we might do that. Maybe or maybe I'll just open the reopen the Patreon and I'll just just uh, read these. I think think people will uh, be into that.
1: If you just read them and talk about them on each show, <laughs> talk about. I them. think the. I think the, um, the authors of, each of these pieces are dying to talk to someone about it. They would love to have someone interview them about their piece. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a great thing. Would we could just Brandon interviews the people from the Popular Cultural Studies Journal, Volume One Twenty or Volume 6, Number 1, 2018, and, uh, just talks to them about what they were saying in each of these articles.
2: Reviews. I, I like this. Uh, Women's Royal Rumble Match, Royal Rumble 2018, created by Vincent K. McMahon.
1: There you go. Yes. Um, there's the, uh, another article called identities in professional wrestling essays on nationality, race, and gender. This is another book that is, uh, would give you all of season two of your Patreon. Um, cause it's a couple hundred pages and it's about 30 different articles all about race and nationality and gender. So one is called, they ain't like us race, class, and gender in smoky mountain wrestling. um, one of them is called A Secret Fascination Professional Wrestling, Gender Nonconformity, and Masculinity. There's one, The Sportification of Wrestling in France Strength, Performance, and Regulation, 1852 to 1913. There's uh, Lowland Gorilla Ballerina Acrobat, Brock Lesnar, Sharedog.com, and the Perception of Professional Wrestlers Competing in Combat Sports.
2: Is that all about an- Anokism? All about what? Anokism.
1: I don't even know. So that's another one you can buy on Amazon and uh, looks very fascinating. So that would also give you about 12 months worth of uh, material for you to read through and go yeah. and discuss. Yeah. Uh, so really good stuff there between those two. I mean, I think there's, you know, probably the articles when you you add up all these different pieces here that haven't been really discussed or thought of by anyone mm-hmm. and... It just goes to say that there's so much going on in the world of professional wrestling analysis that is not boiled down to simple one-liners on Twitter. Um, there is uh, one I found that I was fascinated with, um, I, and and I would love to know more about. It's a, uh, a medical journal article. Um, and unfortunately, I'm seeing that my link is not working right now. So I'm going to have to go back to my original tweet about it. But what was fascinating about it was it is called, quote, Anterior, giant, ossifying lesion in a peculiar cervical degeneration of Japanese professional wrestlers, especially in aged wrestlers. And it's basically, as I recall when I read it, was it was about the fact that you tuck your head when you bump. And what was the long-term effects on your spine of tucking your head when you bump so
2: many times? Wow. That's, that sounds scary. I don't know if I want to read that.
1: Well, I, I basically it just, um, here we go. Nope, I'm sorry. That's the Tatanka one. Let's see if can
2: find anterior me. giant ossific- ossifying lesion? Anterior okay. giant.
1: Yeah. So it's a, um, it appears to be a biological reaction to reinforce the anterior aspect of the cervical spine of professional wrestlers who routinely defend themselves in a flexed neck posture against their opponent. The mm-hmm. p- present results suggest that the risk of CSI, uh, which I, is a, a cervical spine injury, is not increased by spinal can- canal s- stenosis accompanied by AGVOL, the anterior giant ossifying lesion. Further studies are needed to investigate the relationship between the wrestler's cervical degeneration and the risk for CSI in more detail. So, wait, so the good news, news is they don't think it leads to cervical spine injury.
2: Oh, great. Good new- Good news. Then we're safe.
1: Yeah, but the bad news is it does say that there is something weird about the spine of wrestlers who take a whole lot of, of bumps and tuck yeah. their chin a bunch.
2: Well, we got weird spines. That's not the worst thing, right? They're just yeah. weird. It's, but, okay uh, to, it's okay to be weird.
1: I think they said they, they followed something like 13 Japanese wrestlers for like the course of like 15 years. Hmm. So I would just love to know who was on that list. Like, are we talking, you know, is it Curry Man? Are we <laughs> talking uh, Akiyama? Are we talking Tobita? Yes. Maybe, uh, maybe a little Onida? Maybe. Hopefully, Masawa was not one of those data points.
2: Yeah.
1: It's actually the first thing I thought of when I, when I saw that. I was like, oh no, Tyson Kidd, Masawa. We've seen guys who you just all in one take one bump and then it goes.
2: Yeah. And I, and I guess, um, Paraguay Jr.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Another good example. Um, and then this last one here, uh, critical feminist hope, the encounter of neoliberalism and popular feminism in WWE 24 women's evolution.
2: And what is that about?
1: Uh, (laughs) it was a paper published, um, by Rachel Wood and Benjamin, uh, Litherland. Um, and she, she writes much more about feminism and sexual health. And he writes a lot about, uh, professional wrestling and sometimes in the UK professional wrestling. But this piece is basically, um, it talks about, It's one of these where it uses a lot of the the buzzwords of of the language that they're speaking to. So it talks about cultural luminosity and the limits of feminist politics in the context of neoliberal individualism and brand casting in a documentary and um, how how we're seeing them. Uh, uh, Feminism is co-opting by neoliberalism. I don't know enough about what this the framework of what they're trying to discuss is to to really be able to respond to it. But I thought it was interesting that they decided to use WWE
2: 24 with the, its evolution. The full article there. looks like you have to pay 40, $42 to get the full article.
1: I don't think I've been able to find a free version of this full article yet, mm-hmm. though um, uh, Ben did like when I tweeted this out. Oh. And so I feel pretty good that if you do want to get a copy of it, we can just ask for... Dr. Ben himself to send it to us. Okay. So, anyhow, I just wanted to bring up the fact that there is a whole lot of interesting scholarship that is being done on professional wrestling. And some of it is probably very relevant. Some of it is very much people trying to take their own interests and put a professional wrestling lens on on top of it, and then create a thesis of some sort. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's out there. It's interesting. And, you know, some of the stuff you can buy on Amazon and I think it's worth kind of supporting... And I think things like this popular cultural journal uh, studies journal, you know, that's so many interesting pieces it's available for free. Um, if it's your thing, I really do recommend that you, you go and read it and it might help you. We, we get into these complicated debates all the time around race, gender, and, and other aspects of professional wrestling. And I feel like a lot of times we're rehashing the same simple talking points. And sometimes there's people who've sat there and really tried to think much deeper on these subjects. And We don't ever think to say, is there any scholarship that's been done on this? Is there any kind of examples of, of a more integrated or or elegant argument that could be made that says, here's great examples of this, or here's how we're seeing the same debates play out time and time again or what. And so I'm, I'm fascinated that some of this is out there and increasingly, you know, it's accessible and I think it's worth people looking into and kind of reviewing. And and my problem is I'm just not a very good reader. I'm perfect pronunciator, but not a very good reader. So, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit slow right now to get through this stuff, but that's why I turned to the PhD in momics candidate, Mr. Brandon Howard Thurston. Uh,
2: yeah. So I'll see if I can get some Adderall and I'll, I'll get down to reading these, but uh, no, it's interesting stuff. It, I think these are a lot of, um, articles I intended about three years ago to write for Voices of Wrestling, but just never got around to it.
1: Yeah. So if you're looking for some new V.O.W. writers, I've got a whole bunch of them here mm-hmm. and uh, they work for even less recognition than V.O.W. writers get.
2: That's right. Because they're graduate so, students. Yeah.
1: I am reading a new book right now called Bad Blood um, right. about the uh, the Theranos debacle. Ther- of how Elizabeth that? Holmes took a whole bunch of money from people, started a company and then sold a whole lot of people on kind of an empty box and all the mistakes that went along with that. And why did everyone kind of. Keep allowing this, this lie to perpetuate. And, uh, how did they lie to themselves? And how did Walgreens lie to itself? How did the US Army lie to itself? And how did all these other very intelligent people working in the healthcare field kind of just buy into the fear of missing out so much so that they were willing to just continue to allow this company to kind of deceive them?
2: What is this company? And
1: it's called Theranos. They basically, they promised that they could take just a few drops of blood. And diagnose a huge array of tests from it, so you wouldn't have to get oh. a big drug uh, draw, a big blood pull from from your arm, and so yeah. you could do it with literally like two drops of blood. But what they weren't really telling you was that a you had to dilute the blood a whole bunch to do that, and every time you did that, it basically the margin of error went way, way, way up, and then. Two, they never really figured out the technology to do all the different types of tests using that same blood sample. Mm -hmm. So in the end, they actually were using other people's technology a lot of the time and just pretending it was their technology that was doing these tests. But they were able to con people like Walgreens into hundreds of millions of dollars of investments of you know scooping out corners of the store and revitalizing them just for these things. And then in the end, basically, the results were so wrong so often that they all had to be thrown out at the very end. And the company, she was, you know, the SEC got after her and there's been criminal charges and all sorts of things. Wow. But it's, it's this fascinating thing of basically she saw herself as the next Steve Jobs and everyone around her kind of bought into the cult of personality that was happening. Hmm. And, um, it's, it's just kind of another great example of, of just how kind of if you, if you live in an environment where everybody just kind of says it's okay to move fast and break the rules, especially in healthcare, it's so dangerous to operate in that way. And the ramifications can be so depersonalized that everyone can kind of just try to come up with their own narrative of why what's happening is okay. And the new normal is all right. And it can just continue to spiral. And these very powerful people can get conned just like everybody else. And every everyone from, you know, Larry Ellison up to, I think, Henry Kissinger ended up being kind of like uh, pulled into this thing. Really? Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's a pretty fascinating taste. So it's called Bad Blood. It's a pretty good read. Uh, I'm enjoying it very much right now.
2: Well, luckily, Quest Diagnostics is still in business, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and that—that that was one of their main competitors. Oh, okay, that they were very, yeah. very paranoid about any information leaking out. To wow,
2: yeah.
1: How about you? What are you reading these days, Brandon?
2: I'm reading the Wrestleomics notes. Yep, partially.
1: Partially, right before we go to air. Yes. No, I, uh, uh and, and if you missed last week's show, we did talk about it. We are, uh, we are putting the Patreon on hold for the month of December. I've got just too many things happening here, uh, that I don't feel that I'm going to be able to dedicate enough time to doing two shows and being a, a vital resource. And, uh, Brandon has a lot of articles here that he needs to read before he's going to be able to, uh, to
2: have all those guests on. He's got to do a lot of scheduling. And then on top of that, of course, he is now Maine's number one wrestler. Yeah, if if I'm ever going to complete my PhD in Russlanomics, I have to do more of this reading, so that you will, uh, you will accept my dissertation on um, social media and socialism or something like that. (laughs) Here I am flanderizing myself, but yes.
1: So socialism, media, maybe
2: something like that.
1: I like it. Mm -hmm. I like it. That should be good. Um, so for this week, I think the big news, if you're looking for what are the you know the three things to keep on your radar, number one is going to be George's talk, UBS. Number two, it's going to be that WWE UK deal. And then I think number three, just in general, it's going to be the um, the WWE stock price. And is there going to ever be anything new that it's not just being driven by the S&P 500, really, or the Dow Jones or something else? But is there actually going to be any news that's happening here? And, uh, you know, again, Mixed Match Challenge, it's just one of these deals where it just blows my mind that they're able to get as much buzz as they get on this thing for something that produces
2: so little effect in the wrestling community. Well, it's Facebook. Everybody's excited about Facebook.
1: Um, they are. And there was a good piece, actually. I wish I'd included it in our, our reading list for this week here about um, Nicholas Deaton's piece on, on Facebook. Watch. Did you see that?
2: Nick, Nick, Nick Denton of a uh, Gawker.
1: Now, what, who, who do I want to claim? Nicholas I De Leon I do. I do this to Nick every week. Um, yeah, basically, it was talking about how uh, Facebook is doing a uh, a a pivot where they realize that absolutely no one is going to care about Facebook Watch under the age of forty, and so they're not. It's not a good idea for them to keep uh, fighting that, but rather um, it says Facebook's YouTube competitor is pivoting to older audiences as teens tune out and publishers bulk Facebook Watch, a hub for shows and premium video content was intended to be a big competitor to YouTube. Instead, it failed to get recognition with users who aren't used to watching long videos on Facebook. The company may be trying to focus the product on older audiences after many of its younger users moved to Instagram.
2: So so we're going to see possible. more uh, uh, CBS All Access type programming on Facebook.
1: Maybe. Uh, and I mean, hey, there's there's value to that because those are consumers that are much more valuable to a lot of uh, advertisers than any other demographics are. And locking them down means something. But I think it's fascinating that each of the big social media companies has struggled so much as they try to step outside their boundaries. When you think of G+, and the failures it had and trying to make its own social network. Go and then Plus, you see yeah. Facebook's problems in trying to replicate video. And then you see, you know, uh, all these other people who have tried to do... They, they try to go a little bit out of their lane, and it's gone horribly wrong. I mean, Instagram could be the big success story because it's doing both photo and video. And for a while there, that really seemed like that was going to be the tension point for them, is whether they could transmit into video so well.
2: Yeah. They're the only ones who have succeeded at stealing some other social media platforms idea that, that is Snapchat. Um, yeah, but all these, all, by- these media, all these social media companies wanted, you know, they see their giant footprints, and they don't look at Facebook, a billion users or whatever it is. Uh, and they want, they think they could be all things to all people, but. You know, I don't know. They're really good at advertising and, uh, you know, distorting elections, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I don't know if they, if they can be YouTube, uh, I, I guess. I
1: don't think so. I mean, and same thing, we see this between the fight between Twitch and YouTube about where is the gaming generation going to spend its time and how YouTube in some ways is almost not the cool place to do the gaming stuff. You want to watch that on Twitch. Hmm. We digress. Um as usual I'm throwing a lot of new stuff at Brandon right at the last okay. two minutes of his day. Mm-hmm. Uh but Brandon, uh this week can anybody see you wrestle anywhere?
2: You can see me wrestle in and Pro Wrestling Rampage in Erie, Pennsylvania. Ooh. And uh I was working on a, a video for Grapplers Anonymous today. Maybe it'll be out this week. I don't know, we'll see. But uh yeah, we 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 talked, we went to um because if you can't tell, this this show was recorded in, in two sessions. Because Mookie's internet was falling apart, doing much better in this session here. We went yeah, to yours the, um, is the
1: one that's not doing so well this time.
2: Yeah, well, nobody can tell that because I'm dra- recording directly into a recorder. Um, yeah, we went to the, the Buffalo his, 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 uh, like History Museum, Historical Museum, and uh, we went all over Buffalo and we did a uh, some B-roll. Maybe you'll you may see me walking around with the Buffalo skyline in the background. Things if, if, if you if you do we'll follow the uh, Grapplers Anonymous social media stuff. So, nice, uh, nice. The the match that I, that I talked about last time, the Ilya DePaulo Cup match, uh, where, where I won the Cup, spoiler alert, is now on ESW's uh, Pivot Share. If you go to eswrustling.pivotshare.com, you can subscribe, I believe, for $5 a month and watch the match. Watch the entire event and all the events that are available through that service.
1: And for even cheaper, can't I just go to your Twitter page at Brandon uh, Thurston? And, uh, our good friend, uh, Joe K 19 has already put up some of the best moves from that match. I, th- I think it's pronounced.
2: "Hoke." Okay? I don't know. But anyway, yes, he, he, he did, uh, gifts the entire event, uh, last night. He, he was apparently watching it and gift quite a few moves from it, the entire event.
1: And so there's this nasty German suplex Liger package pile driver combo from Daniel Garcia. Yeah. I figured enjoy the that. the poor twerp who this is all happening to, would that be you?
2: That is me. Yeah,
1: that, that looks most unpleasant. Yeah. Uh, was this feedback or payback by any means for possibly of you giving him an exploder about an inch of his life from, uh, the corner?
2: It certainly was. Does that look alright? I thought we could have been closer to the, uh, to the corner. I'm always, uh. To <laughs> the
1: corner to even closer. I think you would have thrown him over the top ropes if you had done that.
2: Hmm. Oh, you think so? Well, okay. That makes me feel better then. All right. Yeah.
1: No, it looks good. It looks really exciting stuff. Yeah. You're like, like three and a half inches away from the corner. Yeah. It looks good. Okay. Uh, but anyways, those, those, uh, those gifts with a hard G and J got me very excited about, uh, uh, getting my pivot chair, uh, yeah. set up.
2: Yeah. And it's available wow. through all these other partners too. Cause you know, all these pivot chairs collaborate with each other. So ESW is on the high spots wrestling network. You just subscribe to the high spots wrestling. Network, you can watch it through that, uh, and a number of other places like powerslam.tv and, um, smash wrestling, a lot of others bar wrestling,
1: Wonderful. Well, if you have some ideas, uh, hopefully this uh, Barrios comment uh, uh, discussion is, is full of interesting stuff for us to, to do because uh, next week we're going to need some content. We're going to need something good.
2: At Tuesday so, at 1.45 p.m. Eastern, I will probably be listening to the George Barrios talk live and maybe I'll even live tweet it. So get excited for that. You can and listen do you to you know your opponent
1: too. for Pro Wrestling Rampage?
2: I'm wrestling Jimmy the Hippie for the PWR heavyweight title. My
1: goodness. Now, didn't you wrestle him... Previously for the heavyweight title I was supposed to But, but,
2: but uh, things did not work out that way For whatever reason But I think this time That's what's happening That's what's advertised It's actually advertised okay. this time so. Okay so no more
1: malarkey This is going to be the real deal Yeah The indie scene is Is drying up left and right We're running out of wrestlers That aren't signed to major companies So that's right. pretty
2: soon so The PWR big
1: heavyweight title Could be the most prestigious title On all the Northeast
2: That's right The more and more indie wrestlers Get signed the better and better It is for me Because that means the big push for me That's how it works
1: thanks everybody uh you can catch me on twitter at mukiani you can catch brandon at brandon thurston you can catch the show at wrestlenomics you can also find us at wrestlenomics.com you can email us at wrestlenomics at gmail.com and of course we're uh, uh recommending everybody go check out all the cool articles we link here including um the popular cultural studies journal all free pdf 300 plus pages and the identity and professional wrestling essays on nationality race and gender amazon link i think it's only 10 bucks to buy and uh, definitely looks like a good Christmas gift for that wrestling fan you want to just sit there in the back of the room and think for a while before they open their mouth again.
2: Have a good and, day. And Bye. we are giving away the notes for free this week. Usually we'd be, those are only for subscribers but they are for everybody this week. Merry Christmas. a world. Podcast. There is a new, shiny star with great interviews, analysis, music, and and me, Matt Kuhn, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card.